Uh, hello, everybody. I'm Adult. And I'm Young. And this is Young Adults, as we're covering chapter 21 of Mistborn, The Final Empire. Yep. Um, that's all there is to say about this episode, really. <laughs> In the room, all young and hip. Okay, so, um, as always, we open with the snippet. Um, this one is pretty generic. It's just like a, it seems like it's a quote from the, the prophecy about the Lord Ruler as the hero of ages. It's like a single line. Um, the one bit of it that I did think was maybe interesting was it says the hero of ages shall be not a man but a force so you could maybe read that in other ways like for example the deepness might be considered a force but isn't the deepness what the hero of ages is there to defeat maybe so I'm not sure if that makes sense but maybe he then became the deepness and became a force I don't know and defeated himself alternatively I guess you could read it as the hero of ages shall be not a man, but a woman, Vin, or who will, who will really defeat the deepness, or or something like that. Maybe it means the hero of ages will be somebody who can rally up a force, aka like an army or something, to go against yeah. the deepness. Yeah, they 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 talk in this chapter about how vague these prophecies are. They're pretty vague. Yeah, I I should have paid more attention to the actual specific prophecies that they uh they quote here. I don't. Yeah know that they would necessarily point to Vin. Up. Well, um, hmm. So they talk about, we, we, I think we really just get two prophecies here. Uh, something about a burden by which the hero shall be dubbed, which is pretty vague. And uh, they shall have a bloodless bond to the world's kings. Which, I mean, uh, it apparently was interpreted as referring to the Lord Ruler's uh, several marriages, presumably to royalty. But, I don't know, could be something to do with, like, Mistborn stuff, maybe? I don't know. I think you're leaning in a bit to that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, this chapter opens with Kelsier reading the translations of the Lord Ruler's little book, and that's where... Yes. You're, you're drawing these prophecies from. Yes, and we. This is absolute confirmation that we've been reading the Lord Ruler's diary this whole time. Yeah, which we 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 really found that out when we got the book. In the first yeah, place. we basically knew that, but this this is we we get direct quotes that we have seen before. Yeah. Although interestingly, so something seemed a little off to me, and I went back and double checked. So Kelsey was reading the very first quote that we got. Right. But there's bits in the middle that were cut out for us. Yes, I noticed that too, um, which kind of messes up my theory about it being like one continuous I guess log, but also doesn't really because it's it, being it's, it's being edited down for us apparently. But but there are the long bits are cut out. Although to be fair, some of the excerpts have been fairly lengthy and chunky mm. at the beginning, but most of them are fairly short and snappy. So yeah. But I don't think that's why they were cut down, is what I'm saying. Um, anyway, the good thing is, we are getting Kelsier's point of view this chapter, and we are visiting the Rebellion, which is something I was worried we might not get, because Vin wasn't going, and we... Yeah, this whole chapter is a Kelsier point of view. Uh, you know, I was worried that we'd get stuck going to more balls for endless amounts of time until Kelsier came back. But they were like, nah, it'll be fine. And they just skipped forward the whole journey of Kelsier's whole journey on the boat uh, up until <laughs> pretty I don't know, much, like, yeah, a he month spent, or two he, later. He spends the journey reading, I guess. Um, Sounds like it. Um, yeah, so um, interestingly, Kelsier thinks pretty much the same thing that we did, which is that the Lord Ruler seems pretty heroic in this and apparently this even ties into some scam myths about him that he used to be like a nice guy yeah Kelsier is feeling kind of an uncomfortable sympathy towards the Lord Ruler and his story 
uh, when he's getting to read his own journal, but still doesn't really like the idea of Lord Ruler being a human, so he's like, no, this guy's probably lying in his own journal that he wrote to himself, because <laughs> that would well, make sense. Well, I mean, I, I, he, I think he's a, he's a little more nuanced that. He, he points out, you know, pe people tend to see themselves as the hero. I don't know. Or at least as the good guy in a situation. I guess. So, Kelsier is traveling by barge, and, um... They're not being dragged along by horses along the canals, they're being dragged by men. Yes, so we, we've, we've heard about this before. Now, so I, ha I had to double check. Horses do exist. They do? Yeah. I think we've actually, have they been seen dragging along barges before? Yeah, it actually, it says, in, in a previous chapter we were told that, uh, most noblemen used ska instead of horses to pull the boats along the towpath. So... That's weird, right? <laughs> I feel like normally you would use horses for something like this, but... In this case, perhaps it's because Kelsier is bringing the ska, so maybe he's bringing the people tugging Well, no, it, it well. seems like this is just normal. It does, but... Maybe horses are quite rare. I guess I guess all the plants are dead, so they have nothing to eat. <laughs> I mean, just like the people. I don't think that's why, but perhaps horses aren't seen very often around the cities. And, I don't know, it's probably just cheaper to have men dragging your carts, or not carts, barges, along the canal. I guess, but again, that would point to the whole horses are more rare and expensive than they are in our world idea. What happens next? Um, Kelsier does a grand display of oh, yes, alamancy. He shows off his alamancy. As he jumps from barge to barge. Or more kind of super jumps from barge to barge, I suppose, uh, until he gets to Eden's one, because they've arrived at the crossroads, which is where they were headed. Yeah, and uh, I think this is actually the first point where we get a turn of phrase that we'll be getting throughout this chapter, which I actually missed the first time it was used. Uh, everyone calls him Lord Kelsier. Had we had we encountered that before? Um, I don't remember honestly. Hmm. It, it really stood out to me because it's quite formal. Well, it's it's more than just formal. Like, they're talking about him as if he's a noble, basically, right? I guess. I think he has been called that before in previous chapters. Maybe by servants, because he was pretending to be a noble. Hmm. But uh, I don't know why it would be used by people like Eden, which I think it is used by Eden at some point. It is. In fact, it's, it's first used by Eden, I think, uh, which I, I didn't pick up on. But, yeah, he, he says here, uh, Lord Kelsier, we've arrived at the crossroads. And Kelsier's like, yeah, I know. That's um, obviously why I jumped onto your barge, you <laughs> yeah. Come on. Um, and, and the soldiers call him that, too. Now, in fairness, we do get repeatedly told in this chapter that Eden has really started to kind of worship Kelsier a bit. Yeah, it's kind of a really weird turnaround, I have to say. I found it kind of weird. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and so does Ham. Ham is like yeah. There's a certain very weirded out by it. Adoration towards Kelsier in this chapter that we haven't quite seen before from everyone else. Mm. It it almost kind of feels like maybe he's doing something. Like maybe he's been soothing him somehow or something. I'm I'm not sure. The thing is, you know, I mean, obviously we don't follow Kelsier's perspective that often, so we don't know what he's up to. Yeah, like uh, this this chapter really really focuses on how weird this is, you know? Yeah. What was weirder for me in this chapter was the repeated instances where we got Kelsier's literal thoughts and it seemed like he actually feels way more passionately about this than we thought. Yeah, so there are uh, points... Yeah, uh, Like he's actually a good person or something which was weird. There's definitely a bit here where he's like, I will change in just a, a moment, he's like I will change things for the others. I will make it better. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there are also some bits of this chapter where he's being pretty shady. Yeah. Uh, especially one standout scene towards the end of the chapter. Um, so, anyway, the barges obviously stop, and Kelsier uses a signal to call out the troops that are hiding in a little-known forest. 
Yeah, and, well, they're not just hiding in the forest, so they take everyone to this cave that they've been hiding in, which we've heard about. So, are trees in this world not green? No. They're just, like, brown? Seems like it. That'd be so weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, like, constant autumn, but just brownie and yellow. Yeah, it, that that's, that's how it seems to be. It's kind of sickly. Sorry, that was, that's just weird. I was just when they said that there was a forest, my mind obviously pictured a green forest. Mm, yeah, me too, actually. But now that I'm thinking about it, of course it won't be a green forest. It'll be a brown forest. Anyway, uh, so some people, uh, some of the troops, call out, uh, greet Kelsier and Eden, and all the men, and they take them into the forest, and under. Uh, a, a bush hides a crack in the ground yeah which Kelsier is super freaked by to be honest mm. uh, obviously it's kind of trauma from working in the pits yeah it, it's funny he, he kind of tries to turn this into like a, a teaching moment for the troops but I think that's just in his head honestly yeah <laughs> he's clearly very very uh, freaked out by it um, so we get um, a lot of detail on his time in the pits. Yes, this was pretty interesting, actually. Because at some points he mentions... I mean, I think this later on, but he mentions Mare's death in more detail, which was really interesting. Mm. But th that's not what he goes into here. He mentions... He talks more about getting the Adium geodes. Yeah, so apparently Adium goes, grows in these sort of crystal geode things... And you got to stick your hands into them. And I'm pretty sure this is where his scars come from, it seems yes, like. Yes, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, for a while, I was thinking that maybe his scars just came from crawling down into the caves. But then it wouldn't make sense for them to be the shape that they are. Mm. Uh, which is quite straight. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, they have to bring one of these geodes every week. And each each one buys you one more week without being beaten to death. Can you imagine crawling around in the dark for a whole day and not getting anything out of it yeah that's yeah <laughs> I mean it seems like the norm is that you only find a geode every seven days roughly on average yeah so like obviously I mean it's rare ADM but that's really rare well I suppose it would, it would have to be a little more frequent than that or you would have like a 50% chance of dying I guess but <laughs> yeah but yeah um Maybe they do. Um, yeah, so it was kind of weird. Just to... Kelsier is a lot more stressed out in this scene than we've ever really seen him before, honestly. Mm. And it was kind of weird to see that because Kelsier is not often a very scared person. He was a bit nervous when Vin was dying, but he honestly seems even more stressed out here. Uh. Yeah, uh, and they talk. He, he he talks with. He starts chatting with Ham in the caves, who's been leading the the troops. Yeah, the, Ham in this chapter is a very different Ham to the Ham we've seen in all the other chapters where we've had Ham. Kind of. He's he's more serious. Yeah. Um. I was almost like a tongue twister the amount of times I said Ham. <laughs> um. Yeah, and he. Uh, as, as as I alluded to earlier, he it sort of really is weirded out by the change that he, he sees in Yidin. He kind of interrogates Kelsier a little bit about how this is possible, but Kelsier does not have an answer. Yeah, Kelsier's just like, I'm awesome. Deal with it. People love me. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, which is the more typical arrogant Kelsier that we usually get, but uh, he's kind of just putting it on in this chapter most of the time, I think. Or maybe maybe Kelsier's just always putting that on. I mean, he's obviously a bit of a showman, but it seems he's a lot more troubled of a person than we've ever really thought of him as. Mm. Um, they also pass some of the guards. That, well, in fact, they go around inspecting the guards. Yeah. That are on every entrance, uh, and Kelsier has a has a fun little bit where he's like. Okay, so you're not allowed, you don't let anyone out without permission, huh? What, what if I wanted to leave? <laughs> and they're like, 
<laughs> but then he's like, yeah, no, that's right. You would not let me out, would you? Because that's the rule, and the rules even apply to me. And the guards are like, yeah. And Kelsey's like, good man yourself. Yeah, you're such great guards. Because <laughs> they're clearly terrible. Um, I mean, they're not terrible, I suppose, because we do get mention of them stopping people escaping later on. Mm. And I, so I, I highlighted this because it felt like some kind of foreshadowing, but I wasn't sure what it was foreshadowing. But we see pretty clearly later on what it's about. It's because they have problems with deserters. And yeah. this is quite a big plot point, actually. So, like I said earlier, Kelsier's intentions seeming honest in this chapter was kind of weird hmm. to me. Like, he's always seemed like he was a bit fake about actually caring about the Ska, whereas in this chapter, he's obviously a lot more, I don't know, defensive of the Ska? Yeah, maybe. It's, I, I don't think I ever got the impression that he wasn't sincere in his sort of ideology. Uh, it's just not entirely clear if he's sincere in his professed strategies towards it. Yeah, but he seems very confident about the plan and honest about it, and he's... Well, does he? <laughs> yeah. We, well, uh, we'll, we'll, get, well, we'll get to some of his he is dishonesty. Up until, he is up until maybe the end of the chapter, where he does quite a sketchy thing. Um, mm. um, so, uh, oh, I, I wanted to call out, um, just while they're chatting, Kelsier comes up with this idea that they should have some of the men go out and lay false trails through the forest because it's impossible to hide the tracks of hundreds of men. Yeah. But they can... I, I just thought that was a, that was just a, a clever little idea. Oh, yeah, it's worth mentioning that this time Kelsier brought with him 240 men, mm. which is an increase to the numbers that were usually going up. Yeah. But it sounds like they have about 4,000 men, which is... Maybe, I, I can't recall... I wasn't sure if it was 4,000 or 7,000. Because at one point they mentioned 7,000, but at a different point I think they mentioned 4,000. I was a little uncertain about that, but whichever way it is... Oh, okay. Well, actually, I think it might be 10,000. Because it says here um, that they, they're discussing the plan. Our 1,000 men can take the pits with ease, then, re then retreat as soon as the garrison arrives. The other 9,000 might have to face a few Great House Guard squads and the Palace Soldiers. But our men should have the upper hand in numbers. Yes, that's now, the end goal. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily how many they have right now, though. It's, it's not. That's how many they want. They wanted ten thousand. That's the, that was their aim. They don't have ten thousand yet. Hmm. But I was unsure whether they had four thousand or seven thousand because both of those numbers came up, I think, in the chapter. So. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can quickly find reference to that um yeah they were definitely aiming for 10,000 I've mentioned that a few times um might have to cut some of this out um a while back they had under 2,000 men that was way back in like yeah. Part two or something. Um, there's a few thousand men hiding in hills. Um, here we go. The entire army of seven thousand men. Yes. Okay, so it was seven thousand. I thought there oh, was. Oh, but but no, but you're right. But then later, and then later on, um, when he accuses someone of wanting to betray them, he says. You want? Do you want some quick boxings in exchange for four thousand lives? So you're right. That actually is uh, maybe an inconsistency, or I guess just Kelsier maybe not being entirely accurate. Yeah, I know they said the hall could hold seven thousand, but maybe that's how many it can hold. But then they only actually have four thousand at the moment, which is actually not as good as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, maybe it. Well, well, but like you said, their their plan is for ten thousand. And so also, he, 4, also he says that even though the room is large enough to hold the entire army, a lot of them are sitting kind of like at the in the in the tunnels around the edges and stuff. So yeah, that sounds like it's pretty crowded. 
Yeah, I, I thought it said the entire army of 7,000, and then it was like, ah, you'd risk 4,000 lives, when I wasn't sure what was going on. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I suppose it's, it's possible that Kelster is assuming that half of them would survive. <laughs> Maybe. I doubt it. Um, so, we could talk about the caves, but I don't want to because they're the generic rebellion hideout caves that you find in pretty much a lot, like a whole bunch of other fantasy series. <laughs> it's a little harsh, but yeah, they're they're just caves. I mean, it's well, a the, big cave system. The fact that they have to get into that narrow crack is probably the most interesting feature. Yeah, it's a big cave system where the rebellion is hiding out. That's fairly generic. Kind of, that's pretty much trope, honestly, in fantasy books. Mm. Um, so while they're talking, Ham starts to bring up his doubts about the plan. Um, and Kelsier just reiterates the plan, basically. Um, but he also th thinks, um, I'm a thief, not a prophet, but sometimes we have to do what the job requires. So, Kelsier is thinking of himself as a prophet now? Yeah, I didn't know where that came from, to be honest. Hmm. <laughs> That's, that was very out of the blue. Yeah, um... And uh, he also talks about the fact that he is rotating Ham out for Yidin. Which I think we already knew. Yeah, so I, I highlighted this because... Terrible plan? Well, more because it seems like this is a genuine gesture towards... Like, this is a genuine step towards handing the army over, right? Yes. Um. Now, he does say that he's also doing it because they just need Ham for other stuff back at Uthadel. Yeah, but he does talk a lot about actually giving it over to Eden. Yeah. Which is something we weren't sure if he was actually going to do. So So this this does seem like maybe he is going to do that. Now, that doesn't necessarily... I don't know. I, I really don't know what Kelsey's plan is at this point. Yeah. Something crazy is going to happen in the second half of this book. I can just feel it. Mm. Okay, so Ham starts talking about the beauty of the caves and Kelsier has a PTSD flashback. Yeah, where he is like, no, I do not find these caves beautiful. I was in caves just like these for a year. Internally, something. he doesn't say any of this out loud. Yeah, which is I found really weird. It didn't seem like a Kelsier thing not to just say it to Ham's face. Hmm. But uh, he doesn't bother saying it to Ham's face and instead, instead has kind of a flashback to Mare's death. Yeah, so... Mare, apparently, uh, Kelsier failed to find his weekly geode, but Mare, luckily, had found two that week, so she gave him one of hers. But, uh-oh. And Kelsier, having complete faith in his wife, not, <laughs> as we know. Um, well, he didn't question that, and, uh, yeah, so she, she lied, she had only found the one, and, uh, she's beaten to death right in front of him. Which disproves pretty much our theories about her coming back or still being around, being alive in general. Yeah, it's... I can't... Kind of damning. Like, there are shapeshifters or whatever in this story, so you could maybe it's spin some kind of story where she's still alive, but it, it seems pretty unlikely at this point, yeah. Yeah, um, however, this act of, I don't know, love is not enough to prove to Kelsier... That's... Yeah, well, he he thinks to himself, you know, maybe she did that out of guilt at having gotten us into this situation in the first place. I don't know. I honestly don't think it was Mare at this point. Yeah, well, it seems weird that she would have been sent to the pits in the first place yeah. if she had betrayed them. I think... I still think, like, they just walked into this room. Like, why wouldn't the room always be guarded? Yeah, I... I mean, okay... A bunch of Inquisitors, but even so, I mean, we know that room now is just always guarded, and I honestly think that's just how it's always been, so. Mm. Um, so next, Ham brings up, uh, racism, <laughs> or like, Ska-ism, basically. He starts questioning whether their whole plan is doomed because Ska are just racially inferior. Yeah. Um, my reaction to this was, damn, Ham, that's kind of cold. Uh, 
that's, that's kind of what I meant by Ham not being the same as he was before. That's hmm. kind of drastic. Well, Kelsier points out that this maybe is an extension of Ham's tendency to sort of just think about all the philosophical angles. I mean, if you remember before, I believe Ham was the one who questioned, like, if we're fighting God, doesn't that make us definitionally the bad guys? He did say that, and I said that was dumb. Um, so, I guess this this is maybe another thought along those lines. Um, it's weird, and it's cold, and I was uncomfortable with Ham suggesting it, to be honest. It's interesting. I, I do, like, bear in mind, you know, I think from an in-universe perspective, it actually does make sense for them to to wonder about these things. You know, like, they don't know... I mean, you know, <laughs> we don't know for sure that this isn't actually true because of magic, but... It's probably not. Um, it, it does raise the question, though. Ham has some uncertainty about it, and it does raise the question whether he actually thinks that. And there's another scene later on where I started to wonder if Ham might end up betraying them. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I, I, I didn't really get that vibe. I feel like he he's just asking questions. You know, he's... I don't know. I really got the vibe that Ham might do something stupid. Enough that I wrote down, Ham, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll we'll get to, to some more of his, his doubts later. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, we, we, we get to a little insight into uh, Lord Rulerist theology again here as well, uh, with something called the balance. Yes, which is that nobles don't have that many kids, but that Ska have a bunch of kids. Yeah, so Kelsier dismisses this as um, a cultural difference. I actually do wonder about that. So, like, this raises some questions about, like, do they have contraception in this world? Like, <laughs> how does that work? But uh, I, I doubt we're going to go into that kind of detail. Um, and he, he brings up other stuff, like the fact that, obviously, Scar healthier, or rather less healthy than nobles. Ah, uh, yes, Scar, healthier than the nobles. <laughs> uh, although, well, he claims that, uh... Does talk he claims about that allegedly, allegedly, this used to be more the case. Yeah, he does talk about height differences even now, and he talks about how back in the day, uh, the unspecified time, um, you could tell a Scar from a noble just from appearance, and I mean, you could definitely do that today because of their clothes and their ragged appearance. But mm. well, I think he means even if you dress them the same. Yeah. Uh, so the interesting thing about this discussion, it reminds me a little of um, you hear debates today. This is a somewhat a minority viewpoint, but uh, there are people who believe that this, the the differences in in height, the differences in height, rather and weight, and uh, strength, and so on, between men and women are nutritional, uh, on the basis that girls tend to get fed less. Um, I don't... Uh, you, you can't see his expression again, but uh, it is amusing. Uh, yeah, this, look, I don't think that's true. I think uh, we have pretty conclusive evidence regarding testosterone and its effects. You know, I mean, you give a guy testosterone, he's going to bulk up. But uh, that is that is a thing that people do question in our own world. So, you know, you can see how, obviously, that's that's probably not true regarding men and women, and it is true regarding other populations. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you look at some tiny child who's been starved, you know, they're going to look a lot smaller. Yeah, naturally. Um... Hmm. This is reminding me of some horrible uh, child abuse story I was just reading, but I won't go into it. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, some adopted kids were... Uh, Not the content we talk about here. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, but, but, but it is objectively true that if you get poor nutrition, you will end up physically smaller. So, you know, when you see a, a difference in, these, in, in physical size... It is reasonable to question: Is it nutritional or is it biological? I guess I guess it's always biological, but you know, is it genetic 
Uh, I mean, I guess. And obviously, uh, you know, even even in our world, we do see different populations having different average height. You True. Know? Um, some countries' average height is above six foot tall. And some countries' average height is like five foot tall. Yeah, if I remember right, the tallest and shortest populations in the world are both in Africa, quite close to each other. Yeah, so you know, there's it's it's reasonable to wonder. I, I mean, it's not impossible. I don't think it's it's probably not the case in this setting because you know we have such an obvious cause that would cause this, but it's not impossible that maybe. You know, this guy and the, the nobles really did start out as, as different populations that have since interbred. Yeah, I mean, that's logical, but the thing is, Ham is implying that the Ska are just inferior to the extent that they shouldn't be saved. Hmm. And now the interesting thing is, of course, he is a Ska. He is he says, half Ska. Um... But he says, you know, what, what if there really is something physically different about us? So he's, he, what if the noblemen are right to rule over us? So, you know, he is approaching this from a scab perspective. He is, but he isn't. I, I, you're right. He, is, he has some noble blood because he is uh, a misting himself. Yeah, he's a, he's a half-breed, but he's approaching it with a very dark mindset that is pretty worrying, honestly. Hmm. And I still feel like... From this and, a, and the later scene, he might actually end up doing something bad. I'm willing to put that down as a prediction. Okay, yeah, we can we can put that down as a prediction. I I think I think that this is just Ham. He's he's one of those people who you know he asks the questions that nobody else is willing to ask. But isn't that doesn't make him like I feel like probably Kilster has kind of thought of this and discarded it just more subconsciously maybe you know. Yeah, but uh, I don't know, Ham. It seems very uncomfortable around Kelsey in this chapter, which I get, but I also... Well, that is true. Ham definitely seems a bit uncomfortable with the cult of personality Kelsey was drawing around himself. Yeah, and I mean, I understand... Which so are we. <laughs> I understand where he's coming from, but I do worry that he might do something that could put a lot of lives at risk. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Kelsey, the cult of Kelsey, so he's... Show, we get uh, a week sort of summarized here and uh Kelsier has been using his misborn powers to impress the troops uh so let, let me let me just let me just read out a, a quote here ordinary ska even city ska didn't know of things like steel pushing or pewter burning when they saw Kelsier flying through the air or sparring with supernatural strength they would just attribute it to formless allomancy magics Kelsier didn't mind the misunderstanding at all this seems bad, right? Like, Kelsier is deliberately... He'll, he'll do this more in the chapter, but he's deliberately misleading these people as to the capability of Alamancers to make himself seem more omnipotent. Uh, I really don't think this is a good idea. If nothing else, these guys are probably going to have to fight some Alamancers at some point. So it seems kind of crazy that he's not... Explained any of it? Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like the reason is very specifically so that he can seem more impressive, right? Yep. I man, this is this really rubs me the wrong way. I I can't say anything other than that pretty much what's going on. So, yeah. I think um, I think we're getting to the 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 end of the chapter. Um which is there's this big feast going on. Uh, I guess it's their last night or whatever before Kelsier leaves again. Hmm. And there's this big feast in the giant cavern that we discussed earlier uh, where the thousands of men can kind of fit. Hmm. Um, Kelsier is sitting at the high table or whatever it's called. Might literally be called the high table, I'm not sure. Um, and he's talking to Ham about if there are any men who stand out to Ham as particularly, uh, I don't know, particularly interested in escaping and possibly might be a threat. 
Yeah. Um, so, Kelsier, we, we get we get a little, some stuff about uh, how rioting works here, but I don't really think it's worth going into. Yeah, it's just about how you can focus in on one person, really, I think. Yeah. Um, well, which, <laughs> which I kind of assumed, so. The funny thing is, Kelsier actually isn't able to manage to focus in on one person. Not in, not in the crowd this size. Yeah. But, so, well, actually, I will say this. So, apparently, you can target someone to riot them and then wait and then riot them. Like, you can lock in a target for some reason. It's just It's just kind of a, a funny little mechanic. Um, but, so he, he locks in this, this guy, Bilg, as, and, and his friends as a target. Yes, let's hope we're saying that right. I read that as Bilge so many times. Hmm, that's funny. That for some reason, it didn't cross my mind. And then, but I mean, I started saying Bilg towards the end because it seemed to make more sense. Hmm. Spelling-wise, Bilge would surely have an E at the end. Yeah, you would think. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Honestly, we've gotten pronunciations wrong enough times, uh, so I don't think we'll worry about it now. Mm. Especially as Brandon Sanderson doesn't seem to care. Yeah, so um, he then gives a big speech about how they're definitely going to defeat the Lord Ruler. And then riots Bilg, who, of course, voices his concerns, his quite reasonable concerns, uh, perhaps says it in unnecessarily rude manner, but that's because Kelsier is rioting him. And... Oh boy. Kelsier... I... This is this is really bad. Yeah, so this is actually pretty... This is pretty bad. So, first of all, Kelsier says here... I uh, saw it coming. I'm sorry, but... I'm sorry, Bill. Someone needed to say it, and it certainly couldn't be me. So, like... Yeah, he, said, he says that in his mind. Like... Yeah, in his mind, Kelsier absolutely acknowledges that this guy's concerns are legitimate. Um... And his response to these concerns is to call him a traitor six ways from Sunday and uh, challenge him to a duel. Yeah, but of course Kelsier's too high level to fight just this average build guy. It is so, not fitting for a general to fight a man beneath his command. <laughs> uh, so he calls upon any similarly ranked soldier to fight Bilk, and uh, it's this guy we saw earlier called, who I'm gonna call him Demo. That's, I, that's how I pronounced it too, because it was like Reno, but yeah, it's got an X on the end, so I think it's silent. Demox. <laughs> that's the other way you could pronounce it. Yeah. Um. So Demo is this grony but enthusiastic little captain guy who is quite confident and Kelsier likes him, basically. Mm, but he's he's half Bilg's side, apparently. Yeah. Bilg is this big, brawny guy, and that's why Kelsier chose him, because... Mm, and apparently Bilg is also... Uh, I mean, Kelsier didn't know this, but he's also known to be more skilled. Yeah, which Kelsier likes, actually, because he thinks he can use this to his advantage. Yeah, so... Um, to be clear, this is to the death. Yes. Kelsier's very explicit about this. Although it doesn't end up being to death. <laughs> well, n not for lack of trying. So, uh, yeah, then the, the two of them duel, and Kelsier flagrantly cheats by... I, 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 the instant he... Uh, the instant he started targeting Bilg, I actually thought this is what he was going to do. Yeah, so I, 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 hi I highlighted when they, when they call out the fact that they're so physically different in size... And I went, okay, Kelsier's definitely going to cheat using... Steel pushing yeah. and iron pulling. And that's exactly what he does. Um, but he does it more blatantly than I expected, actually. Uh, it reaches the point where Demo actually notices what's happening and starts to think that he must be an Alamancer. He's, like, staring at his hand in awe as he gestures, and the yes, guy's... He does not realize he's being used as a rag doll <laughs> for Kelsier to fight with. Yeah, um... Which is, like, it's funny, but... Okay. Um, it was cool and funny, but also nasty and horrible. Yeah, so they, they get uh, Bilk on the ground, and Demo refuses to stab him, even as Kelsier is pushing his weapon towards the guy's throat. And then Kelsier's like... Kelsier, in his mind, goes, This man needs to be killed! Yeah. And then a second later, he's like, Wait, what am I saying? This guy should be let go. Well, I think it's more that he, he sees the guy, like, arm broken, 
and bleeding on the ground, unable to move. And he says, this is enough. Yeah. I, I, I don't get the impression that he says this out of sympathy for him. I think it's just that he goes, okay, this is actually enough to inspire the troops. Yeah. To show, believe how awesome we are. Um, and then, Kelster gives a, another little speech. Uh, maybe I should just read this whole thing out, because this is wild. It's pretty long, though. It's, it's not... Well, I, I won't read the whole thing, but I'll, I'll just read the beginning, which I think is, is the craziest part. Um, do you think I would send you against the Lord Ruler unprepared? Yes. Do you think I would send you off to die? Yes. You fight for what is just, men. You fight for me. I will not leave you unaided when you go against the soldiers of the final empire. Yes, you will. Um, All of that is ma and then major a, propaganda. A little, a little later on, he says, uh, he, he talks about the 11th battle and stuff, but then he says, um, this is not our only tool. You soldiers have power untold inside of you. You have heard of the arcane magics that the Lord Ruler uses? Well, we have some of our own. Um, that entire speech is a lie, it's propaganda. And it's nonsense. Yeah, so uh, Yidin then congratulates him and is like, wow, this is incredible. I had no idea that you could give us superpowers. <laughs> with this, with this, we'll, we'll never lose. I guess in theory he could kind of give one guy superpowers by controlling him, but he couldn't give a whole army superpowers. Yeah, Ham is not happy about this, understandably, because it's insane. Yeah, so the real striking part there isn't all of Kelsier's lies. It's the one line, you fight for what is right, you fight for me. Right? Uh, and I think that's actually a quote. Yeah, that's a direct quote. So, Ham says, you just lied to my entire army, Kel. And Kelsey corrects him, no, Ham, I lied to my army. This is really troubling stuff, right? Yeah. Now, this is also the scene that troubles me. It's actually both of them are worrying me in the scene. Kelsier seems deluded, but Ham seems possibly in that kind of rebellious mode that I'm worried about. Hmm. That this is the scene that made me think, oh gosh, how might betray them or something? Do something, maybe attack, I don't know, attack Kelsey or something. Just, honestly, I almost expected them to fight yeah. right there. And in then. fairness, it's possible that I'm just biased towards Ham because we're both this sort of, <laughs> um, I mean, we, we, we've joked before that I'm on very much Ham's wavelength where we just want to talk about like nonsense world building stuff. Yeah. <laughs> At great length. Not the cool world building about monsters and stuff but like the theology and uh, uh, the philosophy of it all. Um, it's all interesting enough as long as you don't go on about it for too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is true that, that Ham's definitely not, not happy about this. Yeah. Um, um, there's one last thing. Now well uh, so Kelsier Kils gives us somewhat sort of reasonable explanation to him. He he points out that uh, once they have the ADM, they can use it to bribe the garrison, which is not what he said before. But, um... It is possible, I suppose. Yeah, that might work. Um, um, it's one thing that he says at the very end, which is, Aham, Kelsier thought. I wish I could explain everything to you. Plots behind plots, plans beyond plans... There was always another secret. What plans, Kelsier? We're in your mind. <laughs> stop, stop shielding your own thoughts. I want, I want to know what all the plans and plots are. Yeah, this. It's funny. I'm normally not a fan of this sort of thing happening. We've but... talked about this before, but sometimes it's done well enough, and this is one of those times that I just want. To keep going. Yeah, this is just successfully ratcheting up the tension. <laughs> um, I th there's something going on here, man. What is going on? Yeah, if we weren't reading this book really slowly, I'm pretty sure this would be a page turner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, this was that's the end of the chapter. Those are the final lines. Yeah, this was a, a strange chapter. Um, we saw a different side to Kelsier, and then we saw a different different side to Kelsier, but also. It's, it was quite a long chapter, but whilst there was always stuff happening, it was paced quite well and it didn't ever feel like it was dragging out mm. like some other chapters have. Yeah, this was a good chapter. Yeah, it was a very interesting chapter. I was glad, obviously, to see some rebellion action because I even talked about it 
uh, last chapter that I was worried we wouldn't get to see basically this type of thing because Vin wasn't going, but I'm, we were, and that's I'm really glad about that. Um, so, favorites and least favorites? Okay, uh, what would you say your least favorite thing was? Um, well, I guess in the story I was obviously a bit mad at Kelsier for being insane. Hmm. From our reading perspective, it was long, and it did take me a while to read it. Um, but I did, like I said, it was well paced, so that wasn't as much as an, uh, uh, of an issue that I've had in other chapters. Mm. Um, perhaps the possible inconsistency is what I was weird. Yeah, this is a tough one to find a least favorite thing for, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I wasn't 100% sure what was going on there. So if that was an inconsistency, then possibly that, because that kind of threw me off a little bit. But if it was something that I would just didn't get, then that's my fault, um, I suppose. Hmm. What's your favorite? Um, my favorite, I, well, so I, I, I'm tempted to go for the, the little bit where he comes up with the idea of, of studying the false trails, because I, I did like that, but I think my actual favorite is the flashbacks to the, the pits. Yeah. Which were really, really... Informative. They were informative, but they were affecting as well you know it, it painted a really good picture of what this place is like yeah um and the regime it operates under and yeah it's great when you get a good description that you get like a a really almost tangible description mm. yeah i feel like you could just be there like a scene from a movie yeah and the funny thing is like it's not a scene it's just a description you know yeah. we don't we don't get it's like we, we call them flashbacks but it, it doesn't flash back to like narration from Kelsier's perspective as he goes through his day-to-day -day life in this place. He just tells us about it, but that manages to be compelling. Um, what would you say... Well, hmm. Do you, do you want me to... Do you give my least favorite? Yeah, sure. Because I, I always like to end on a favorite, just to end on a positive note. Especially in a book that's set in a world of such misery, I suppose. It's... <laughs> yeah. The, the least favorites could really drag stuff down. Uh, now, of course... Yeah, having said that, it's really hard to pick a least favorite because this is a really good chapter. Yeah, I, I may be inclined to go for the the horses thing. The fact that they've, I mean, this is not new, but this whole thing where they have their barges pulled by humans instead of horses, it just it feels weird to me. I don't. You need so many people when you only need like two, three horses. Yeah, m m barely. I like I'm like one horse at a time, basically. I think right. <laughs> Like, you'd be resting the other two. It's... I don't know. I mean, well, look, this might be, like, a, a thing, like a world-building thing, where as we have talked about the fact that there's less vegetation or something, but I don't know. It it does it does feel weird to me. Yeah. Um, and if it is, if it is a world-building thing, call it out, you know? Say explicitly, horses are too expensive to waste on this, or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and what would you say your favorite thing is then as our final? Well, in general, I've said this multiple times throughout the episode, I was just really happy to get a rebellion perspective because hmm. obviously we're reading this book a lot slower than most people. So when we're, I don't know, two thirds into the book, uh, halfway, I don't know. So it's good that we're finally seeing the progress of the story hmm. really flesh out more and more. Uh, and I know that's kind of just the general idea of what's happening in the chapter in the book, but I'm just finally coming around to the point where I'm really starting to be excited by what's happening a lot more. Yeah, I, I did like getting this this perspective, which is quite different from what we've gotten before. Yeah. Even though it's, obviously, we've gotten Kelsey chapters before, but... Only a few, to be honest. It's, and some, some of those are only half chapters. Um, it was just starting to come together, and obviously a book's always exciting at the beginning, and then it, most books slow down, and some of them slow down throughout the entire middle, but this one is picking up in the middle, which is good. And, you know, it's ex stuff is starting to happen, and there's things that we're wondering about, like what are Kelsier's secret, Kelsier's secret plans that we keep getting hinted at. So seeing it all come together now, finally, is starting to come together is good. And I'm just enjoying the book more, I think, than the last mm. couple chapters. 
yeah, this was just this was just a really solid chapter. Yeah. Uh, it's always good when you get to the end of a chapter and you want to like read the next chapter. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes you read a bad chapter and you're like, nah, and you just put the book down. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, the, our weird way of reading this, obviously. It's different. Yeah. I've never really done this type of reading before. Except, I suppose, in school, which I've always hated. Uh, you know, reading a book and chapter by chapter analyzing it. Mm. Because in school you're doing a weird analysis where it's supposed to be helpful but it's not really yeah and it's only there for tests um whereas this is more fun i suppose yeah it, it's it's fun to, to just chat about this stuff <laughs> yeah and so, if there's a microphone around so much the better <laughs> um so don't forget to read chapter 22 before the next mistborn episode comes out Yep, but that'll be in two weeks. Um, uh, as usual, our next episode, if there is one, our next week, we may have, uh, we'll probably have the our, that Drop That Spider-Man episode yeah. next week, uh, but regardless, the next ep- Mistborn episode will always be in two weeks. That's that schedule. So, um, yep, yeah, we'll uh, metaphorically see you then. <laughs> uh, yeah, and in the meantime, as always, you can... If you want to send us your thoughts, we would love to hear them, uh, whether that's by email, podcast, uh, youngadult at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Twitter, at podyoungadult. We'll be posting this on the Mistborn subreddit, uh, r slash Mistborn. Uh, or, of course, you can find this wherever podcasts are provided to you, yep. all, all the different websites and apps, and most of those have some kind of feedback function. So, well, some of them do anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we'd love to hear from you. Um, at least some of them at least allow ratings and stuff, or likes. So <laughs> yeah, even even those are are great, and they help other people find the podcast. So that's really helpful. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so see you soon, I guess. Thanks for listening. <laughs>